Hi, this is Bishop E. James Logan, Senior Pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship Church in Zion, Illinois. Welcome to our podcast. I pray you'll be blessed by a fresh word from God every time you tune in. Well, hallelujah. Well, thank you, band. Thank you, praise team. But Deontay, you can keep playing because everything I say right now sounds so anointed. <laughs> I'm being funny, y'all. <laughs> Y'all funny. Um, I'll say this now. Thank you all for allowing myself and Pastor Deborah to minister to you all this month. For those of you that didn't know and you weren't aware, you didn't come to the leadership meeting that, that we have for the entire church, Bishop took his first sabbatical, y'all his first sabbatical so he just rested this entire month and just chilled and just allowed God to minister to his body and to his health and to his mind so he can just get rest you know pastors need rest too and so this is this is the first time that he's ever taken a sabbatical of this length an extended stay in 30 years our church will be celebrating 30 years of ministry and this is Bishop's first time I think the longest break he's ever had was 10 days. And so we thank God for, for he's, he's doing good. He's well. I was at the house the other day. He, he looked good. He's he doing good. He's still funny. I talked to him this morning. He's, he's still Bishop E.J. Logan, okay? He, and when he comes back, I know he's on fire. He's excited because he loves the word. He loves to study. He loves to, to feed God's people the word of God. He wants you to know the things that God has been showing him. And uh, we, we're so grateful and thankful for the shepherds of this house. And thank you, Mom, for all that you've done to, you know, to, to ensure that, that Bishop is good, that you're good. And even now, we even pray for your strength. We even pray that God will renew your strength God will allow you to mount up on wings like an eagle for the support of being a true and real help meet and help mate. We thank you for being the woman of God that you are, that you undergird Bishop with prayer. You undergird your children with prayer. You undergird this church with prayer. And we're grateful for you. So any demonic attack that may try to come against you, we cancel the devil's plans. We cancel his assignment. We say, devil, there is no room for you. There is no room or place and space for you in her mind, in her heart, and in her life. We come against any attack on your body, against your health. In the name of Jesus, there is a hedge of protection that we are praying that God will cover you with. In the mighty and matchless name of Jesus, you will begin to see miracle signs and wonders like never before. Your dreams, God will begin to, to show you even more. He begin to even, even uh, describe future events and, and, and great uh, uh, things that will be happening in the world. And God will show it to you first as he's already given you the ability to see like no other. So God, we thank you. We praise you. We believe that it is so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe today is going to be a powerful uh, service. I believe it's going to be really good. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not even going to say it. <laughs> not even going to say it. I was going to say, I don't plan to be for you long. I don't, I'm not, I'm not even going to say that. Don't just, you didn't hear that. Um, but, but yeah, so I'm grateful. Uh, four weeks of a sermon series. Y'all know it's not, it's not easy 
doing four weeks. So pray for, pray, pray for senior pastors. They got to they always have a word. And we know in this house, you don't just get no jelly back word. You don't just get, now you know uh, Jonah was spit out the whale's mouth. Now we don't, we don't get stuff like that. You get deep stuff here. I mean, you get meat here. So we praise God. So um, I'm going to go ahead and uh, continue on. You can have your seats for, for a brief moment. I just need you all to continue the same energy that we've had all month. It's the last. This is the finale of our series on love. It's the finale of our series. Love is. It's the finale. So I need you all participation. The more you participate, the shorter I'll go. <laughs> Amen. The, the, the more you sit there and act like you don't know what I'm talking about, I, I got to keep going. Make sure you get it. Okay. I don't know when I'm going to be back up here. I do next Sunday, but um, <laughs> just need you to stay with me. So y'all promise. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, let me open up here. And uh, the first week, anybody remember the first week, what the first week's topic was? Love is what? Sacrificial. Come on. Let's say it all together. Love is. All right. That was everybody on this side. I heard y'all. Y'all had y'all coffee this morning. Come on, let's give it up for this side. All right, the rest of y'all, wake up. Come on, wake up. Love is? All right, this side's still sleepy. Okay. All right, well, love, love is sacrificial. So week one, we talked about love being sacrificial. And the word we get from sacrificial is agape. Agape love. And agape love is simply this. It is based on a principle that love is synonymous with unselfish behavior, and intense affection. Agape love means it's not about me. It's about what I'm willing to do to make the relationship work. Bible says this in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1 through, this is all recap. You can, you can go back and catch it online. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to our God. Jesus is our greatest example of what agape love is. Okay? Jesus is our greatest example of what agape love is. The most famous scripture in all of the world besides Philippians 4.13 is John 3.16. Come on, say it together. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved you. He loved us so much that he gave his only. Anybody ever gave their only to somebody? Like, that's real love. If somebody gave you their only, this is the last one I got. And they give it to you, that's love. That's agape love. Whether you believe it or not, that's agape love. So Jesus is our greatest example. That's why the Bible tells us in Ephesians, be imitators of God as little children. Little children imitate everything that people have that have great influence over their lives do. I had some friends of mine. I won't say any names, but their son started saying <laughs> hell. He's walking around, what the hell? He said, where did you get that from? Mama was like, where did you get that? Daddy. You got to be careful what you say around little children because they're going to copy it. They're going to repeat it. You got to be careful what you do around little children. Uh-oh. Because they're going to repeat it. The moment they get an opportunity to act on what they saw, they're going to do it. I'm, I'm talking deeper than there's a deeper meaning in that. I hope you catch it. We've been real transparent these last four weeks. Can we continue being transparent? 
All right. Okay. Week two. Week two. Somebody say week two. Week two was love is what? Enduring. Come on. Come on. Love is enduring. Love is enduring. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 in the New Living Translation that love never gives up. It never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Love is enduring. So if you are in relationship with somebody, whether platonic or erotic, and they decide that they no longer want to be connected to you because y'all had a little bump in the road, they don't really love you. We had one little fight, and my mom's got mad. Y'all are fun. I gotta, just got to make sure y'all paying attention because this side was sleepy. So. so endure, endure. Somebody say endure. endure. Endure means simply to suffer patiently. To suffer patiently. Love is long suffering. Love suffers long. Real love. It is. Real love suffers long. It suffers through every circumstance, every season, the peaks and valleys, the ebbs and flows. Whatever it is that you're going through in your life, if it's real love, it's going to endure through every circumstance. And I believe this is connected to what week three was, is we have too many people that get in covenant and they don't have a real understanding of what covenant is. So when the going gets tough, they decide to break covenant because they don't understand that real love endures. You made a vow when you got married. You said in sickness and in health till death do us part for better or for worse. And as soon as worse hits you out, you didn't really love them. Because erotic love is not enough to keep you in a relationship. Can we be real? Yeah. You got kids in here. There was no youth service because I'm the youth pastor. <laughs> but they, they, they've heard stuff before. They on TikTok. Your erotic relationship, your, your friend with benefits, that's why you ain't married him yet. Because it's not enough to keep you. <laughs> the baby said, hey. Out of the mouths of babes. That, that, that erotic relationship is not enough to make you want to be in a committed relationship. A long-standing covenant. It's not enough. Because love is a decision. Love is a choice. And when you come into covenant with somebody, you're choosing that no matter what, I'm not going to break covenant with you. So week three was what? Love is covenant. Love is covenant. Covenant is simply an alliance, an agreement, a pledge, a promise, a vow. We talked about it already before. We were trained as little children. I pledge allegiance to the flag. You made a pledge to your country. You made a vow. I want to offend y'all again like I did last week, but some of y'all, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all made pledges. But we don't know how to keep our pledge and our covenant with our brothers and our sisters, our friends and our families, our husbands, our wives. 
our sons and daughters. We don't know how to keep covenant there because we don't have a proper understanding of what we're coming to alliance with. Some of you have made demonic alliances. You've come into a demonic covenant and you don't know why you're having those thoughts. You're having those dreams. You're having those because you're in a demonic alliance. You agreed somewhere along the line that this was okay. Because the Bible says in Amos chapter 3, 3, how can two walk together except they agree, except they're in alliance, except they're in covenant? How can two walk together except we agree? And so for the finale, I thought long and hard about what this particular week's title would be. I, I ran it through my, my agent, who was my wife. And, uh, you know, she, sometime, from time to time, she'll help me with little things, you know, my sermon. I don't got no team. To, I hear from God, okay? I hear from God. And so I said, I said babe, you know, I'm thinking about this, and, and I'm thinking about, about this, and what are you thinking? She's like, ah, I mean, you know, this is going to I was like, yeah, I know. It's, it's not really sticking. And I, I tried to think about a real clickbaity, you know, something that would just grab your attention, shock you, shock value, you know. To, 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 to make you really think, like, what in the world are we going with? And so I, I said things like, love is reckless. Love is reckless. Well, y'all love is. <laughs> oh, you, you didn't like that. You didn't like that. So lo love is reckless with the foundational thought of the song. Anybody ever heard, oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God? There was big backlash when that song came out in around 2017. He said, God, how can God's love be reckless? And, and you have to put on the artist's hat, the artist's brain, and sit in the artist's seat to understand that sometimes we use creative words to display a message so that you can get the picture of what we're trying to convey to you. God's love is not reckless in the original intent, but the picture shows you that God's love will go and reach you and grab you no matter where you are in your life, no matter how many times you said, God, please forgive me of my sins. God, I'll never do this again. God, if you get me out of this one situation, God, I promise I'll never go back. And you do it 755,000 more times. And God still came and picked you up. He turns you around, place your feet on solid ground because the, the love of God is... It reaches, <laughs> it reaches to the highest mountain and it, and it flows to the lowest valley. The, the blood or the love, the blood represents the ratification of the covenant that you make in your life. So God's love for you, it will reach places that other people can't reach because he loves you so much. He loves you so much. He said, if I dress the lilies with beauty and splendor, how much more do you think I love and care for you? If I, if I, if I know the hairs on every sparrow, if, I'm, if my eye is on every single sparrow, how much more do you think I love you who were made in my image and my likeness? It's the depiction of a father's love for his children. Or it could be an example of how you choose to love people based on potential and you get yourself in situations that are reckless because of what you think love is. 
Can I step on your toes today? <laughs> Can I step on your toes today? Just curl them up. I'm still going to step on them. Curl them up. It's the fact that God, God's love seems reckless to the world. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, I believe, uh, I can't remember now, but, but the foolishness of God is wiser than the wisdom of men. People, people look at you like, why, why you do that? That don't make no sense. Turn the other cheek. I wish I would turn the other cheek. I'm going to knock them out. The foolishness of God, God's love, it, it seems foolish. It seems reckless. It seems crazy, crazy in love. God's love to the world seems crazy. And we're supposed to be imitators of that? God, you want me to, you want me to love my enemies? Pray for those who persecute me? Do good to those who talk crazy about me? Despitefully used, I know they talking crazy behind my back and then somebody that they was in close proximity with told me what they said and I'm supposed to act like nothing happened? I had, God had to deal with me the other day. I heard some information. I said, I said, ooh, ooh God. Took everything in me not to go on Facebook and start typing. But, but that's, not what, that's not what Jesus would do. That's not what God would do. I just, yeah, maybe I need to pray for that individual because maybe they don't understand why things are the way they are. Love is not actually reckless. God's love is actually relentless. <laughs> His love is not actually reckless. It's relentless. That, that'll preach. I could just preach right there. We can go home right there. God's love is relentless. It is relentless in its pursuit to get you from where you were to where God called you to be. God's love is relentless. In Isaiah 54, 10, the Bible says, For the mountains may depart and the hills be removed, but my steadfast love or relentless love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. God's love is relentless. In 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 23, this is from the Message Bible. Sometimes you've got to go through the different transliterations so you can get the word that you really want to convey. The Bible says that there is no God like you in the skies above or the earth below who relentlessly loves relentlessly loves the other title I had I said I wouldn't do it but I mean it just kept speaking to me just kept speaking to me we watched the show and you know the show is you know it, it grabs your attention and then you start trying to trying to be the relationship expert like now why would you do that and that is love is blind love is love is blind because love will cause you to ignore things that are red flags because of what your heart tells you to do. Ooh, my heart says I need to stay in close proximity 
to this person because I love, I love them. I know, they, I know they hurt me. I know this is an abusive relationship. I know I shouldn't be here. I know they take advantage of me. I know I'm not gaining anything spiritually, mentally, or emotionally. They're not even emotionally available to me, but I love them. I, lo lo I love them. Love is blind. Love will blind you to the fact that, that you've been in this relationship and this failure cycle for over 10 years. And you wonder why you can't find no good man. Because your prescription is off. You can't see a good one because the, the ones that you're attracted to. Brother, you, you keep going to the club trying to find a wife. Just because that's how your parents got married don't mean that. <laughs> well, I met your mom in the club. Just because. <laughs> ah, just because <laughs> they, they, they had healing and deliverance service back then See, you, you don't have that <laughs> and we do and when we do have it you don't come so you, you need to uh... y'all toes alright <laughs> y'all toes alright okay yeah lo love is Love is blind. It's based on my observation over my, my short little lifespan. The ability, the wherewithal, the unmitigated gall, the gumption that some of you have to pick the people that you pick. <laughs> you, you don't go through no vetting process. You, you, you don't want grandma and them in your business because they talk too much. They ask too many questions. That's the problem. You need them to ask some questions because you blind. You need somebody to look that joke up and down. Uh-uh, he ain't right. <laughs> he ain't right. <laughs> well, what's wrong with him? He ain't right. Like, he, he, he makes six figures. He still ain't right. You know, I thought about this earlier. I had a conversation with my wife. I was like, man, I probably, I bet, you know, if they watch, I don't know. This might be TMI, but, you know, some of the people that I may have dealt with in the past, you know, I probably, they probably think like, man, Pastor Cam sure do be, Talking about like his mom didn't like none of them. She didn't. <laughs> <I'm> just, <laughs> I mean, I liked you, but, but my mama didn't. So <laughs> I was like, Ma, they, man, they straight A student, blah, blah, blah. She's like, mm-mm, nope. <laughs> no, it's a no. She a fling tail. Like, no, what? what? No, she's not. <laughs> Because sometimes you need somebody that has a different perspective than you. That's, that's been living a little bit longer than you to give you some wisdom so you're not dumb to the vices of the enemy. Because a lot of us, we pray for revival, we pray for strongholds, we, we try to cast demons out, and sometimes the demon is the person you're in relationship with. Sometimes the demon is your mentality on who you connect yourself with. I heard a pastor say this. There's, there's no break. Pastor Deborah Bishop can probably attest to this. Some of the elders and, and uh, pastors in the house that have done marriage counseling with some of the people. There is, there is probably no break like heartbreak. 
the counseling sessions that some people have done. There, there is nothing like, yeah, you know, yeah, I'm, yeah I need counseling for this because I'm trying to get, my, get a new job or yeah, I lost my job, blah, 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 blah. You know, I got this challenge, I got this challenge. But, but, but they come in for, for that relationship heartbreak counseling session. That will break people to the core. Heartbreak will bring you to your knees. Heartbreak will spark something in you. A flip will switch in your brain that will cause young men to go on a promiscuous escapade to try to not deal with the hurt that they're experiencing in their heart because of heartbreak. Heartbreak will make a young lady say all men are trash because of that one bad relationship. There's no break like heartbreak. That's why I said love is blind. Love is blind can point to our desires of what we want and what we're attracted to over what we need and what's right. Everything you're attracted to isn't good for you. You tell your children, no, you can't eat ice cream for breakfast. No, you cannot eat that. No, no, stop, put it down. Just because you're attracted to it don't mean it's good for you. Reminds me of a uh, a man who we've probably heard before, and I won't be much longer. A uh, man we've, we've, heard, we've heard of before. Actually, two people. Uh, uh, one of their names is Samson, and the other is Delilah. Samson and Delilah, Judges chapter 16. Now, many of you know the story of Samson and Delilah. Samson was, you know, he, 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 was, a, he was a fly brother, apparently, and he was strong as all get out. And in my mind, it, it, it had to be a mystery of how strong Samson was, because if he walked around and he was just looking like Brother Lloyd, people would know that he was swollen and strong. <laughs> he laughing right now, traps just. <laughs> if he had the appearance of being strong, it would be obvious what the source of his strength was. But Delilah, she, she was slick. She actually wasn't that slick because, I mean, she asked him three times, like blatantly. And after the first time, and then the Bible says, ah, let's just go to it. Let's just go. Can we go to it? Can we go to it? Let's turn, turn with me to Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. I'll be reading from the ESV. The Bible says that Samson went to Gaza, and there he saw a prostitute, my God. And he went into her. Use your spiritual imagination. The Gazites were told, Samson has come here, and they surrounded the place and set an ambush for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night saying, let us wait till the light of the morning, then we'll kill him. But Samson lay till midnight, and at midnight he arose and took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts, and he pulled them bar and all and put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that is in front of Hebron. Not the street down there, just in the Bible. <laughs> after this, after this, after this, in, in, in the first portion of uh, Judges 16, Samson was dealing with a prostitute. Then it says, after this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him, 
and I'll give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So, so Samson did not understand that what he's attracted to is trying to kill him. Some of us don't realize that our attractions are trying to kill us. Your, your type, your taste, trying to kill you. And maybe not, maybe not physically, maybe not physically trying to kill you. It may be spiritually trying to kill your walk with God. Because the devil knows that the way that God uses man to, to, or the way that God provides favor and blessing to us is through the vehicle of man. And the Bible from Genesis to Revelation is all about relationships. So if the devil knows that if he can affect the relationships in our lives, it can deter our destiny. Same thing with your appetite. It's the little foxes that sport vine. You think it's the moment. Oh, man, I was at their house and they had the Ouija board out. No, that, that was the big fox. But the little fox was when they hit you up at one o'clock in the morning saying, W-Y-D, what you doing? When you get that late night text, what you doing? I ain't talked to you in seven months. What you mean what I'm doing? And the big mistake that some of us make is we respond. And then we open ourselves up back to what happened. Your mind takes you back and you begin to relive the trauma. You gotta be careful what you're attracted to. But, but I, I, I wanna stop here in Judges 16 because Samson's attraction didn't start in Judges 16. We know about Samson and Delilah. But what about Judges 14? For those of you that don't know, Samson made a, 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 well, he didn't even really have a choice. Most people that take the Nazarite vow make a vow. They, they have a choice to take this vow. Well, when Samson was born, he did not have a choice. He was not supposed to be around any dead things. He wasn't supposed to drink. And he wasn't supposed to cut his locks. He just what he was not supposed to. So let's go. Let's go to Judges chapter 14. Y'all, y'all all right? Judges chapter 14. It says this, Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his daddy and his mama, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. Huh? But his father and mother said, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? Now you have to understand here, when, when the Bible was saying, uh, uh, be not unequally yoked to unbelievers or going outside of your race, it's not saying that you can't marry somebody outside of your race. It's saying that you should not marry somebody outside of the covenant of God. Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Why would you connect yourself, be in covenant with somebody who doesn't think the way you think, who doesn't 
believe what you believe, who doesn't serve how you serve. And why, like, why? So this is what his parents were saying. Like, why, why would you not look for the people that's in our camp? But Samson said to his daddy, get her for me, for she is right in my eyes. She is right in my eyes. I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what her personality is like, but she looked good to me. Bring her to me. Because that's what I'm attracted to. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking opportunity against the Philistines. At the time, the Philistines ruled over Israel. Then Samson went down with his father and mother to Timnah, and they came to the vineyards of Timnah, and behold, a young lion came toward him roaring. Verse 6, then the spirit of the Lord rushed upon him, and although he had nothing in his hand, he tore the lion in pieces as one tears a young goat. But he did not tell his father and mother what he had done because he was not supposed to be around dead things. Verse 7. Then he went down and talked with the woman and she was right in Samson's eyes. Verse 8. After some days he returned to take her and he turned aside to see the carcass of the lion. I said, no, no. You made a vow. You made a covenant. And behold, there was a swarm of bees in the body of the lion, and there was honey. Verse 9, watch what he do. He scraped it out into his hands, and he went on eating it as he went. And he came to his father and mother, and he gave some to them, and they ate it. But he didn't tell them what he had did. He didn't tell them he scraped the honey from the carcass of the lion. Verse 10, his father went down to the woman and Samson prepared a feast there. For so the young men used to do. The young men was preparing feasts for they soon to be wives. My God. Verse 11, as soon as the people saw him, they brought 30 companions to be with him. Verse 12, and Samson said to them, let me now put a riddle to you. If you can tell me what it is within seven days of the feast and find it out, then I will give you 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. But if you cannot tell me what it is, then you shall give me 30 linen garments and 30 changes of clothes. And they said to him, put your riddle that we might hear it. And he said to them, watch this. You got to be you got to be careful what you're attracted to, because your attraction will then cause you to start acting crazy and arrogant. He says, out of the eater came something to eat. Out of the strong came something sweet. And in three days, they could not solve the riddle. Now, they got four days left. Verse 15, on the fourth day, they said to Samson's wife, entice your husband to tell us what the riddle is, lest we burn you and your father's house with fire. Have you invited us here to impoverish us? Verse 16, and Samson's wife wept over him, said, you, have, you only hate me. You do not love me. You put a riddle to my people and you have not told me what the riddle is. And he said to her, behold, I have not told my father him or my mother. So what do you think? What make you think I'm going to tell you? She wept before him the seven days that their feast lasted. And on the seventh day, he told her, because you got to remember, she was right in his eyes. So he fell weak in the knees. He could hardly breathe. He lost all control and something came over him. <laughs> I got to make sure y'all. Uh. And he told her the riddle. 
told her the riddle. And verse 18 says, and the men of the city said to him on the seventh day, what is sweeter than honey and what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, had you not plowed with my heifer, you would have not found out my riddle. Had you not fooled with my wife, had you not come in contact with the thing that I'm attracted to, you wouldn't have found out the riddle. Well, Samson, you had no business doing what you did in the first place. But if you notice, the Bible still says, and the spirit of the Lord came upon him to defeat the lion, to kill the lion. He tore the lion apart like it was a, a piece of lamb. God does not remove his gift on you based on your first mistake. But now let's fast forward back. Judges 16. So we have Judges 14. Samson is blind to the fact that everything he's attracted to is causing him great strife in his life. He's blind to the fact that his attractions are, end up getting him into situations where he has to then depend on the strength of the Lord that's on his life. He has to then use God's covenant in a way that it was not designed to be used. How many of you are using gifts that God gave you in a wicked and perverse way so that you could advance your goals? Jesus. Delilah said to him, what is the source of your strength? Chapter 16, verse 7, Samson said to them, if they buy me with seven fresh bowstrings that have not been dried, I should become weak like any other man. Verse 8, then the lords of the Philistines brought up to her seven fish, seven fresh bowstrings that had not been dried, and she bound him with them. This was like a game to Samson. He just... He's just toying with the covenant. She had men lying in an ambush in an inner chamber. And she said to him, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. But he snapped the bowstrings as a thread of flax snaps when it touches fire. So the secret of his strength was still not known. Then Delilah did it again. What is the source of your strength, Samson? Why are you toying with me? He said to her, if they buy me with new ropes, they got to be brand new. You got to go to the store, get them brand new ropes. Never been used before. Then I'll become weak and I'll be just like any other man. So Delilah did what she went to the marketplace, was looking for these new ropes. Listen, I'm looking for some ropes so I can tie up this man. Isn't it interesting how, how something that you're attracted to will go to great lengths to try to kill you? Something that you're attracted to is going to great lengths to try to kill, like, for 1,100 pieces of silver? You got to be mindful of people that value stuff more than the covenant that they have with you. She said, behold, you have mocked me and told me lies. Please tell me. And he said to her, if you weave seven locks on my head with the web and fasten it tight with the pen, then I should become weak and I'll become like any other man. Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He woke from his sleep, pulled away the pen and the loom and the web, and we all know the story. Then she says something very interesting. She gaslighted him. This is the first account of gaslighting in the Bible. 
She said, how can you say you love me when your heart is not with me? Uh, lady, you've been trying to kill me three times in a row. You think that's love? <laughs> but because he was so blinded by his attraction, he didn't even recognize that she was trying to kill him three times. He then gave her the key to his strength on the fourth time. When she pressed him hard with, with her words day after day and urged him, his soul was vexed to death. And he told her all his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. And if my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me and I will become weak like any other man. When Delilah saw that he gave her his heart, she sent and called the Philistines that had been trying to kill him and said, come again, for he has told me all his heart. That's why you got to be careful who you give your heart to. It's right here in the text. You got to be my, you got to be careful who you give your heart to because everybody that smiles in your face don't love you. Everybody that says nice things to you and they look cute, they don't love you. Everybody that's in your life and they just been chilling and they, oh, they look so nice. And so, oh, dad, they just such a sweet person. They're trying to kill you. Because if the devil makes it obvious that they're trying to kill you, some of y'all will catch the revelation. Others of y'all be like, oh, no, they're so sweet. They've been assassinating your character behind your back for 15 years. She made him sleep on his knees and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. And then she began to torment him and his strength left him. And she said, the Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as other times that I've done and I will shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. The Lord left him. The anointing left him. The power left him. The glory left him because he was blinded by his attractions. Don't be blinded by what you're attracted to. Don't allow the enemy to trick you into thinking, oh, that's good. Same thing happened in the garden. Eve was manipulated because she had an inkling. She had, a, she had an attraction. Ooh, well, that actually sounds kind of good. Knowledge and wisdom and, wow, okay. That ain't no problem. I'll taste it. And she takes and she eats. And then she gives what she's attracted to to her husband. And it changes the trajectory of their lives. You got to be mindful of what you're attracted to. Do not be blind to the devices of the enemy because he's slick, he's sly, he's cool. He might be tall, dark, and handsome. She might be fine as frog hair. I knew Mike would like that one. She might be, but, but you cannot allow the enemy to trick you. Because if I, call, if I call four people up here that have glasses and I tell all of them to switch, 
Just because their glasses don't mean that they're catered to you. Your prescription, I, listen, the way I see is different than the way you see. And the way you see is different than the next person. And the way you see is different than the next person. So this is why we have to go by something that's stable, that remains consistent. And everybody that sees, he that has an ear to hear, let him hear what thus saith the Lord. So we're not going based on what our perspectives are because we all have different perspectives, but the word is the same. The word of God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. It does not change. It, it does not change. Isaiah 40, verse 8. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God, it's, it stands forever. So anytime you need to go back, I need to go back to, to the drawing board. Let me see what the, the playbook says. Oh, the playbook says, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The playbook says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? The playbook says, be imitators of God like little children and walk in love. Peace, hope, and love. Abide in love. The greatest of these is, is love. You can prophesy. You can speak in tongues. You can tell the future. You can call people's phone numbers. But if you don't have love in your heart, you don't have anything. Real love. We're, we're talking about real love. The real love that says, I'm willing to die. I'm willing to give it all on the line. I'm willing to put myself in a harm's way in order for you to be protected. That's what the Bible says real love is. And we have too many people that are carnal. Carnal is people that profess to be Christians, but they allow the world to shape their views and their thoughts. Our minds should be shaped by the word of God, not what is going on in culture. So we have carnal Christians that are, that are persuaded by what's going on in the culture. And they say, well, culture says love is this. But the Bible says that love is sacrificial. The Bible says that love is enduring. The Bible says that love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. It does not boast. It does not take account of wrongdoings. Love doesn't keep track of, oh yeah, see, I didn't beat you the last three arguments. That's not love. That's not love. We gotta stop doing that in relationships and in marriages. Mm-hmm, yeah. are you done? You just waiting for them to be done so you can pounce on them so you can win the argument. You won the argument, but you lost your soulmate. You won the argument, but you lost a friend. You won the argument, but you broke covenant. Love is covenant. Love is saying, I am committed to the vows that I made before God, before man, and before all the people that I invited to my wedding that are called witnesses. That's love. That's real love. That's what love is. God's love is relentless. It chases us down. It fights until we're found. Just like you will fight, you'll do anything. Just like some of y'all say, I wish that would. I wish you would do that to mine. I come get you. I know some, some of y'all crazy about your kids. God is the same way about you. He's the same exact way about you. He, he don't play about his. Because he loves you. He created you. He understands that there is a purpose, there is a plan, there is a destiny that he has for your life. And he knows that if you reach your full potential, you'll not only bless your family, you'll bless generations.
And we can only do that in love. Love covers. Love covers. Some of us are living currently based on the prayers that our grandmama prayed because she decided that she was going to cover us in prayer and love even while we was acting crazy. Anybody living on the prayers of their grandmama, their mama and their daddy, oh man, I knew I, I was a little rough around the edges, but I had a praying grandmama. You had a praying grandma, you had a praying relative, you had someone that was praying for you that was covering you in love. Because real love covers, the Bible says in Proverbs 10, chapter 12, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Love is work. Love is labor. You, you got you to gotta put some effort in. You got to put some time in. Sisters know if that brother ain't putting in no labor, he don't really love you. Ladies, if you ain't putting in no effort, you won't really love him. If there's just a one-way street between you and your sister girl, and every time y'all go out, it's just, I'm, you always taking care of the bit. No, you don't really love me. You're taking it back. Love is work. And love is transformational. When you experience real, true love, everyone stand to your feet. It'll transform your, your life. It'll transform your heart. Love will have you looking at things totally differently. Because real love, when you get a taste of real love, it transforms you. It, it heals. Love heals. Love changes. Love transforms. Real love. And I'm so grateful that we serve a God who has shown us such a powerful way to love. He's given us the blueprint for relationships. You gotta understand that love is not easy. But love done correctly is beautiful. Love done correctly is beautiful. It takes effort. It takes work, it takes time, it takes sacrifice, it takes endurance. You, you got to suffer through some things sometimes. But once you reach the point of maturity, you know, man, what have I been missing? Bible says there is no greater love than this. The love that we experience from Christ Jesus. 
He's willing to lay down his life for us. It's a process. Love is a process. There are steps that have to be taken in order to do this thing the right way. And I pray that we're not blinded by the attempts and the tricks of the enemy to stop us from coming into true covenant, real love, the way that Christ wants us to experience it. So I prayed it before and I'll pray it again. Everyone bow your heads. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you for giving us a blueprint on how to win in relationships. We thank you for giving us a playbook to abide by so that we can be successful in love. Because God, anything you put your hand to has to flourish. It has to grow. So God, give us the wisdom. Give us the insight. Give us the energy to study, to show ourselves approved so that we can showcase your love everywhere we go. Your word says, and we will know them by their fruit. You will be known by your labor of love. The working of your love. Your love in action. God, we break every demonic covenant, every illegal spiritual alliance that we've made in the course of our lives, every demonic pledge that does not exalt your name. We come against every deity, every false God, every little G God, every demonic spirit, that will try to pervert real love in our lives. We come against every illegal alliance that we have made with the world, with music, with pornography, with sex, with food, with relationships, with being blinded, with the things that we're attracted to Heavenly Father. We come against it right now in the name of Jesus. Do a new thing in us. And like David prayed in Psalm 51, Father, create in us a clean heart. Create in us a clean heart and renew in us a right spirit, a righteous spirit so that we may worship you in spirit and in truth, in the beauty of holiness. Create in us, God, a clean heart. Help us to guard our hearts so that we know when demonic forces are trying to penetrate our heart, trying to take our heart, trying to turn our hearts and torment our hearts like Delilah did to Samson. Father, give us the spiritual wisdom and discernment to know when the enemy is coming after our hearts. 
we decree and declare that God you're doing a new thing in us we decree and declare that you're doing a new thing in us. You're doing a new thing in our lives. You're doing a new thing in our hearts. You're doing a new thing in our bodies. You're doing a new thing in our relationships. You're doing a new thing in our families. You're doing a new thing in our marriages. You're doing a new thing. In the name of Jesus. In the name that is above every name. In the name that is stronger than every curse in the name that is stronger than every illegal blood covenant that you've made in a name that is stronger than every soul tie that you've made in a name that is stronger in every other name father we lift up that name we praise that name we thank that name for what you're doing for what you're going to do and for what you've already done in the mighty and matchless name of Jesus Christ, we believe it is so. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us. I also want to thank you in advance for clicking on the link to support our ministry. Your giving is what moves ministry forward, and ministry must move forward. You can also visit us online at cffczion.org for more information. If you were blessed by this word, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. God bless you.